I do like that song. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Again, if you're a guest of ours, we are especially honored to, to have you with us here this morning to worship with us. We are working our way through the book of 1 John in a, a little sermon series that we began a few weeks ago, and we have been trying to go through one chapter a week, which is um, pretty tough to do. I know that we're skipping a lot of really important, uh, meaningful stuff in there, but we're doing it by trying to pull out one thought, kind of one main theme from each chapter. If you remember chapter one, we talked about there are some things that John wanted us to know. In fact, one of the things we focused on was the fact that God is faithful. And then in chapter two, we talked about some things that uh, God wants us to do, obedience, kind of a, a real theme of that chapter. Last week in chapter 3, we talked about the fact that there are some things that God wants us to become. And we talked about transformation, which leads us today to 1 John chapter 4. Now, I'm not going to tell you what our theme and our, our focus is on 1 John chapter 4 just yet, but I will say this. I could easily spend six, eight weeks easily just in 1 John chapter 4, one of my favorite chapters. So to get through it in 25 minutes is really going to be a bit of a challenge. But again, we're going to do it because we're going to focus on just one thing. And here's the part where you get to play detective. You get to try to figure out what it is, is our focus in 1 John chapter 4. I'm not going to tell you. We're going to read the text and see if you can guess what it is. Don't shout it out when you figure it out, but you can just listen or you can, you can read along with me. It's 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Getting close? <laughs> Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. I just skipped that, didn't I? I got behind on you. Here we go. Verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 
Anyone want to take a flyer? Anyone want to take just a wild guess? Brody, what do you think the theme is today? Love. Brody is right. Thank you, Brody. Paying close attention. Today, we are talking about love. And if you know me very well, you know I love to talk about love. In fact, I think everyone loves to talk about love. It's a popular subject. I did a little bit of research. I saw where some group uh, rated the greatest love song of all time to be Love Me Tender by Elvis. Greatest love song of all time. Love me tender, love me sweet, never let me go. You have made my life complete. <laughs> and I love you so. And I'm dressed like Johnny Cash. I'm singing Elvis in the voice of Wayne Newton, right? But I will make an argument that is not the greatest love song ever written. In fact, I would argue that the greatest love song ever written, the words were written about 2,000 years ago by the Apostle John, and we just sang it. Love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. No, you all know 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? If 1 Corinthians 13 wasn't in the Bible, 1 John chapter 4 would be known worldwide as the love chapter. It's that good. It's that practical. It's that special. I mean, it's so obvious to us. Lady goes to a doctor and she wasn't feeling very good, so he does this whole battery of tests on her. The test results come back and he calls her into his office and he says, I've got three prescriptions for you. And he hands her a bottle of pills. He says, I want you to take these red pills first thing every morning with a glass of water. Then he hands her some green pills. He says, I want you to take these green pills around lunchtime every day with a glass of water. Then he hands her some blue pills. He says, I want you to take these blue pills every day right before you go to bed with a glass of water. She said, wow, that seems like an awful lot of medication. You know, what's wrong with me, doctor? He said, you're not drinking enough water. Now, sometimes it's pretty obvious what the problem is, right? Sometimes it's pretty obvious what we need to do and what we need to know. In chapter 4, John is going to be pretty obvious and pretty clear and pretty repetitive about what we really need to know. So this morning, we're going to talk about love. And we're going to allow John to kind of take the lead here, and, and we're going to cut right to it as we talk about love. And the first thing that John really wants us to understand is God is love. He's going to say it twice. God is love. He says it in verse 8, and then he'll say it again in verse 16. God is love. Love is not one of God's many attributes, you know, like his judgment, or wisdom, or mercy, or wrath. God, God um, love is, is, is the essence of who God is. And all of those attributes flow out of love. So God's wisdom is loving wisdom. God's judgment is loving judgment. And God's mercy is loving mercy. Even His wrath, even when God punishes, even when God disciplines, as every parent in this room will tell you, He does it through love. God is rooted and grounded in love. Why does this matter? What's it matter that God is love? Well, it matters because Christianity is the only religion in the history of the world in which the claim that John makes is true. We love because he first loved us. Christianity is the only religion 
They said, we love because we've been loved. Every other world religion starts off with you. And if you do this, and if you do that, and if you do it well enough and often enough, then maybe some God might love you. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Every religion that the world has devised begins with the created loving and longing for the Creator. Only Christianity, only Christianity, is centered on the claim that the Creator loved and longed for the created first. Now, C.S. Lewis just stole that from John. John said, we love because he first loved us. Back when I was in junior high school, uh, the movie Love Story came out. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. Every teenage girl in America is like, that's the greatest movie ever. It is so romantic. The Ryan O'Neill is so dreamy. It's such a wonderful, great movie. I obviously, as a junior high boy, did not see it when it came out. Decades later, I saw Love Story on television. It is a terrible movie. It's just horrible. Do not go see it. Don't look it up on Netflix or anything. It's just the plot is shallow. The acting is bad. You know, it's sappy. It's just a dumb movie. But if you're old enough, you'll remember the tagline from that movie. Love means never having to say you're sorry. I still don't know what that means. Obviously, whoever came up with that tagline didn't have a wife like me, like, I, like my wife. I tell my wife I'm sorry almost every day. You know what? She tells me she's sorry almost every day. I bet you do too. Now, Martha and I are 35 years into this thing. We still haven't quite got the love figured out. We're still working on it. God didn't have to learn love. God didn't have to figure out love. John says that God is love. How do I know? How do I know that God is love? I know because he proved it. Look at verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Paul would say it this way in Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And John also said it earlier. John said it not only in the book of 1 John. John goes back, uh, uh, if we go back to his gospel, John said it in a, a pretty famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, the Bible doesn't say that love is God. The Bible says that God is love. And God demonstrated that love. God confirmed that love. God proves His love when He sent Jesus to the earth. When He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. To God, love is very much a verb. God's love is an act of love. Look again at verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God did something to prove His love for us. He didn't just talk about it. God proved it. heard a story about a newlywed couple that came back from their honeymoon and they settled into an apartment. And about two weeks after they'd settled in together, the wife calls her mother in tears saying, Mom, you got to come get me. you got to come rescue me. Things are terrible. And the mother's trying to figure out what's going on. She says, what's, what's wrong, sweetie? He goes, he's not the man I thought he was. He's not the man that I married. He keeps using all these four-letter words around me. 
And the mother said, well, that doesn't sound like him. What kind of words is he using? He said, Mom, I can't even say it. They're so terrible. I can't even repeat the words that he's using. Mother said, well, that doesn't sound anything like him. What words is he saying? She says he keeps using four-letter words like iron and wash and cook and dust. You know, love isn't love unless we put it into action, right? We've got to show our love. We've got to do something. <laughs> that wasn't even a very funny joke. <laughs> but God doesn't just talk about love. He is love. And since He is love, He was compelled to do something. How do I know God is love? I know God's love because he looked at me and he looked at you and he said, you're not going to make it. He looked at us and he said, you're sinners. You know it and I know it. We're sinners. We have become the very thing that God can't tolerate. And the only way that God could reconcile us back to him, the only way that we could have a, a chance of a relationship with God is if a sacrifice was made to pay for that sin. And God knew that we couldn't pay for it. And so God sent the only acceptable sacrifice, His own Son, to the cross. And you know, some people will say, well, if He's really love, He'll just let us do whatever we want to do. If you really love someone, you know, set them free. Another sappy line. If they return to you, I don't even know how it goes. Let them do what they want. John would say, wait a minute. Hold up. You don't understand God if that's your stance. John would say, if you reject Jesus, you're ignoring the love of God. It's through Jesus that God showed how much He loves us. And the more we love God, the more we're going to talk about Jesus. The deeper I fall in love with God, the more vocal I'm going to be about Jesus and His sacrifice and His love. God is love. How do I know? Because he sent Jesus. God is love. What do I do? What's my response to the fact that God is love? John would say, here's your response. Love others. In fact, John words verse 11 in kind of an interesting way. John says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to, and you would think that he would say, we also ought to love him. Now, we know the verse, so we know what it says, but if you didn't know the verse, and you read that and said, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love him. But that's not what John says. John says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God loved me, I need to love you. And I need to love you, not because you're lovable, but because God is love. I heard a story about a, a Russian who went to the Moscow Zoo for the very first time. And he was on a guided tour, and the guide took him to an uh, uh, enclosure where there was a young lamb sharing the same enclosure with a very ferocious bear. And the guide said, this is peaceful coexistence. This is life in harmony. This is what we strive for. And the guy at the zoo for the first time sort of looked at him pretty disbelievingly. And the guide shrugged his shoulders and said, of course, we do have to replace the lamb every day. 
That's a much better joke. That is not peaceful coexistence. That is not living in harmony. Let me try to make this as practical as I can. You've heard everything I've said so far many times before. But let's make it practical. You know, I've heard people say, I've heard Christians say, I can't love that person. I've tried and, and I can't. I just can't love that person. If that's your stance, John would tell you that is biblically unacceptable. Here's the deal. If you cannot love someone, say, I can't love them, according to John, there's only one explanation. You're not a Christian yet. If you cannot love someone, John would say, you haven't been born of God. Everyone who's been born of God and knows, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. If you cannot love someone, you haven't been born of God. If you have been born of God and you do not love someone, John would say, there's only one explanation. You are choosing to be disobedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So, John says, let's call it what it is. If you cannot love, you haven't been born of God. If you've been born of God and you do not love, you're choosing to willfully sin. Or, to put it more bluntly, you can't say you love the Father and hate His children. I mean, you can put whatever kind of spin you want to on it, but you can't say I love the Father and hate children. No matter what you say, it's what you do that matters. You can't say you love me and hate my children. I'll know it, and they'll know it. I heard a story, true story, about a, a missionary towards the end of World War II by the name of Oswald Galtar. He was a missionary to India. And after spending several years during the, the war years um, in India, he was making plans to return to the United States he came to the port city to leave, and he found there a group of Jewish refugees all sort of huddled in a basement there. They'd escaped from Germany, Nazi Germany, and waiting for something to happen, waiting for someone to help them. And Galtar walked into that large group of Jewish refugees and asked, introduced himself and said, what can I do for you in the name of Jesus Christ? And somebody spoke up and said, you realize we're, we're Jews, Right. He said, I realize that. What can I do for you in the name of Jesus Christ? And several of them said that they really missed the pastries that they used to enjoy back in Germany. So Galtar took the money that he'd been given to get a ticket back to, to America, and he went out and bought food for all of those Jewish refugees, especially those pastries that they loved. And he passed them out to, to all the people there, the, the Jewish refugees. He wired home saying he would need more money to get home. And they asked him what he did with the money that they'd given him. He said, I, I bought food for some Jewish people that had escaped from Nazi Germany. And his superior said, why did you do that? They don't even believe in Jesus. And his response was, I know, but I do. I believe in Jesus. Aren't you glad that God doesn't pick and choose who he's going to love. And we don't have the right to pick and choose who we're going to love either. James put it this way, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Paul says in Romans 13, pay all your debts. 
accept the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill all the requirements of God's law. Peter's going to weigh in on the subject. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And of course, as we've already seen, John says it about as clearly as can be said. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And what these verses really are saying is that God's love flows through us. What these verses are saying is that God will and God does love others by loving us. Love others through us. And what that means is we're not just the, we're not just the objects of God's love, we're the agents of God's love. God's love reaches its goal when it becomes visible. Look again at uh, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. No one's seen God. How do we know God exists? How do we know God's real? John says, here's one way we can know. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And His love is made complete in us. John is saying that you and I are the answer to the world's question of, where's God? That question is found in us. And God's plan is to unleash us, His children, armed and equipped and empowered with His love. Two guys were talking one day, and one guy said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why He didn't do something about all the suffering, why He didn't do something about all the hurting, needy people. The other guy said, I'm afraid when I get to heaven, God might ask me the same thing. What are we doing? How are we loving? We're the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. And God's desire is to love people through us. John had no problem telling it like it is. He said, if you claim to love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Simple as that. Loving people is one of the primary ways that you show that you love God. How do I know you love God? Because you love people. You remember they asked Jesus once, what's the most important thing? What do we really need to know? And Jesus said, to answer your question, I've really got to give you two answers. Love God, love people. John's going to say the same thing. Remember I said that John does a really good job of preaching what Jesus preached. Verse 21, and he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Our loving God demands that we love others. you got to love both. We have to love both. Here's why. We can't give God anything that he needs. But we can give God what he wants when we give the people that he loves what they need. Let me say that again. I'm not sure you got it. We can't give God anything that God needs, but we can give him what he wants when we give those that he loves what they need. God loving others through us. Verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. 
as part of an assignment for a doctoral thesis, a graduate student uh, spent a year living with a group of Navajo Indians on a, uh, in their village on a reservation in the southwest. And uh, he lived with one particular family in the village, lived in their humble house and ate their food and basically lived the life of a 21st century Native American Indian. And he became very close to the whole village, but especially the family that he was living with and especially the grandmother that lived there in that home. She spoke very little English, but somehow a connection kind of was made between this young man and this elderly woman. And it was one that uh, was very meaningful to both of them, though probably a little bit hard to explain to, to other people. But they both just connected, you know, shared that common language of love, I guess. When it was time for him to go back and, and, and write his thesis, um, the village gave him a going-away party. And he talked about what a bittersweet moment that was because he'd grown close to everyone there, but especially that family and especially that grandmother. And as he was leaving, turning to go get in his car and leave, the, the grandmother walked up to him, trying to hold back tears. She took his face in both of her wrinkled hands and said in broken English, I like me best when I'm with you. I like me best when I'm with God. The best version of myself is when I'm close to God. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. The things we say about God are just whispers in the dark. The way we live our lives are shouted from the mountaintops. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Let's stand and sing.